This episode of Focus on This is brought to you by the new Full Focus Pocket and Full Focus Notebooks. Learn more at fullfocusplanner.com slash pocket. Welcome to another episode of Focus on This, the most productive podcast on the internet, so you can banish distractions, get the right stuff done, and finally start loving Mondays with your host, Courtney Baker and Blake Stratton. Hey, Blake. Hey, Courtney. How are you doing today? <laughs> it's good. I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing okay. That's how I'm doing. <laughs> well, your closet looks organized. You got that going for you. That is true. I have always said, anytime my closet is a mess or my car is a mess, like you know, you know, you might want to stay clear. So yeah. <laughs> On that level, uh, the closet is doing all right. What we're talking about today is, I think, on the short list. Whenever I ask someone, maybe it's in a weekly preview question or something like that. Hey, you know, what went wrong? Like, what what kind of interrupted you or threw you off? What we're talking about today is on everyone's short list. I think. Oh yes, one hundred percent. It's the thing that honestly feels like the biggest time waster a lot of times. And we're going to be talking about meetings. Meetings, meetings, meetings. If everybody out there is like sighing a collective sigh, like, yeah, that they are kind of the worst. Uh, we've got some help today. So if you've ever found yourself just spending too much time in meetings or, you know, just feeling like you went to meetings, but they weren't productive or if you find yourself just like hating meetings. Um, this episode is for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes it can feel like meetings are keeping you from the real work you've got to get done. And, you know, I think that sometimes we find ourselves in a culture or we even create a culture where we're not using meetings in a productive way. And, you know, Google Calendar kind of has this default blocks of time. So you just end up blocking so much time. It's like, oh, let's just have a meeting. And you just feel like, gosh, I'm, you know, <laughs> I feel like I can't get ahead because I just, I'm, I'm always pulled in too many directions with meetings. So, yeah, we're going to dig into it. We're going to give you uh, some help to make sure that that is no longer the case and you can have super, super productive meetings or, you know, maybe no meeting at all. Wouldn't that be fun? Um, but before we dig into it, verbs, I see you over there. You are in a more professional looking environment, if I do say so myself, but it's good to see you over Zoom. Uh, verbs, you've got on, I think you've got on new glasses. I did. I, I switched up the blue blockers. You inspired me on when we talked about the blue blockers a couple of weeks ago. So I said, you know, let me, let me go for some more of those. Nice. So here I am. Guys, this is a. I mean, I'm actually excited about this uh, episode today because I think we've all been in a meeting that feels like it just won't end. Now, we'll say this at the top: all the names are changed in order to protect the guilty. What is the worst meeting that you've ever been in? Well, I will talk about a meeting culture that I was in previously at a different position. I'm not at Michael Hyatt Company. But the way that meetings worked was that they never, ever, ever started on time or ended on time. And so what would happen is, so you might have a meeting from 12 to 1, but you couldn't actually count on that meeting being from 12 to 1. 
literally what happened was the meeting would be scheduled, but you wouldn't even go to the meeting because you knew that it wouldn't start on time. What would happen is our chief operating officer would go around the building to tell whoever was in the meeting that it was now time for the meeting. It was the most frustrating (laughs) experience of my life because you could not plan accordingly for your day. And honestly, it kind of felt really disrespectful of everyone's time. Mm -hmm. And I now have a deep, deep feeling about being on time and ready for meetings because of that, because it felt, honestly, I felt disrespected um, in it. And it wasn't anybody's intention, but that's how it felt um, as a, a work culture. And so it kind of set every meeting off as like a bad meeting because you always felt like, gosh, nobody really values my time here. So I think today we've got some great questions that are going to help you kind of prepare to go from being the victim of bad meetings to actually kind of being a meeting hero, not just for yourself, but for everybody else in the room that might be thinking, gosh, this is kind of the worst. Hopefully these help you have fewer, shorter, more productive meetings. And I think that's what we all want from meetings. Yeah, we we all want to feel in control of our time. We we want to feel like when we're in a meeting, it's not going to be useless and not just that time in itself, but the results that may come from it. And we want to even look forward to meetings or enjoy them because we're working with people. You know, we're meeting with people and you don't want to bring, I know I've been guilty of this, but bringing a sour energy to a meeting because you doubt its validity or its value, right? So let's turn that around for you today. So Blake and Courtney, I think we're actually making a pretty big, substantial statement today. And the beauty of it is this. You can have a great meeting every time by asking four questions beforehand. So let's get to it. I wanted to go first because this is maybe my favorite question (laughs) of the whole bunch. It is simply this. Do we need to meet? Do we actually need to meet? I think if there's a silver lining from some of the social distancing and work at home stuff that's had to happen is that I think it's illuminated that a lot of meetings don't actually need to happen. You know, usually the meetings that are fall prey to this are standing meetings, you know, that they're just a recurring calendar appointment, but they may no longer be relevant. No new decisions really need to be made, or maybe it's an announcement meeting. You know, I've been in meetings where it's like, all right, let's have a meeting. Let's do this. And it's like, okay, so what we wanted to say in this meeting is, X, Y, and Z announcement. I'm like, could have just emailed me. Didn't need to (laughs) rearrange my day for that, right? So do we need to meet? That's the first question you need to ask. Yeah, and I would say that sometimes what we have, a lot of those standing meetings that you referenced before are what I call lazy meetings. You know, they're just, it's almost easier just to show up for the standing meeting than to do the critical thinking to cancel it. You know, it's like, You do have to do a little bit of thinking when you have a standing meeting each time to think, do we actually need to meet? And if we are, which we're about to get into more, you know, like, what do we need to meet about? You know, it takes some effort. And another thing I think we fall prey to with this is when you're not sure what to do, you kind of think, you know what, I'll just kind of outsource my thinking to this group. 
um, rather than doing the hard work of making a decision and being the one responsible for the decision. We think, okay, we'll get together with a group. We'll make a joint decision and then we'll move forward based on that. Courtney, can I ask you a follow-up question to that? Are there, are there ever any times where those kinds of meetings are actually helpful or useful to where you have to resource group thinking and what, what kind of situation would that, would that be? I mean, absolutely. Collaboration is one of the most probably underutilized things we have at our disposal. And, you know, those are so valuable for brainstorming, for identifying gaps in our our thinking. But I think there's, those are strategic meetings in themselves to say, Hey, we're going to come together. We're going to have a, you know, a really deep, thoughtful process about how to do something better. That has a really clear objective, but just Mm -hmm. like, I'll have this hard decision to make and I don't want to take the time to make it. So I'm just going to use the standing meeting for it. I, I feel like those are two different things. One is really powerful. And one is just kind of when we're abdicating our own decision-making. Sure. So how do you know whether you need a meeting or not? Here are the three criteria for calling a meeting. You have an announcement or a decision to make or a problem to solve. It must involve other people. And it is best done in real time. So the first decision is this. Do we need to meet? If you're the leader, ask yourself that before every meeting. Nobody will mind if you cancel a meeting. Trust me, nobody minds at all. If you're not the leader, you can still raise the question to the person who's responsible for that meeting. Remember, you're not a meeting victim. You're a meeting hero. Everything we're talking about today is in the book No Fail Meetings by Michael Hyatt. So check that out at No Fail Meetings. Com. I kind of feel like we need to make that into a t-shirt. Like I'm a meeting hero. <laughs> oh, for sure. Definitely. We're like, what is that all about? All right. So question number two, who needs to be there? So many times meetings are too large and They have too many people. So here's where this has happened a lot for me previously is everybody feels, especially I find this in small organizations, probably more than um, larger organizations that I've been in, but you have a meeting and everyone kind of feels a sense of entitlement that they need to be in the meeting. And so you kind of default to just inviting everyone to the meeting rather than you know, specifically thinking of, okay, what are we going to be working on and who are the critical parties to be part of that? You know, I think this actually has a similar route to the first question we asked, which is, do we need to have a meeting? Is sometimes it's a little bit of a lazy thinking. You know, I think the inviting a lot of people, it's it's a little bit lazy uh, because we don't have to do the critical thinking of, well, who is really going to be useful in this meeting, who needs to know the information or who's responsible for the results or the outcomes of this meeting, right? And so, you know, there's that piece. I think the other side is maybe sometimes we're afraid of uninviting someone, right? Or hurting someone's feelings or kind of communicating, actually, you don't need to be involved in this. And you know what? That's kind of another form. That's sort of a, a, a compassionate laziness, if you will, because you're really not doing yourself or that person any favors, really, because ultimately you're just stalling the growth or the progress towards the objectives you're trying to reach when you dilute the meeting with just butts on seats, you know? 
um, too many voices actually, I think, slows down stuff and dilutes what you're really after a lot, oftentimes. Yeah, absolutely. And there's really only one criteria for inviting someone, and it's that their participation is either critical or highly desirable for the outcomes of the meeting. And I feel like as a, a, a leader that's female, we naturally have this like communal leadership style. And I feel like sometimes we pray fall to this where, you know, we don't want to have the hard conversations. We don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And so I've found myself really struggling that with that previously. And it does take some hard conversations sometimes, but it's, if you get clear with yourself of like, Hey, these people, they need to have expertise or knowledge to be in this meeting. You know, they need to have input because the decision that you're working on affects their work, or they need to have information in this meeting that they need to disseminate to other people. So again, I think this is a really easy one to fall into, um, speaking from personal experience, but kind of having that clarity going into meetings is really helpful. So sometimes, I mean, it can be tricky to actually uninvite someone, but are there any tips on the best way of doing that? Well, I would say one of the best tricks that I've found with this is actually to model it. So if you as the leader don't have to be at every single meeting, it kind of shows like, hey, I don't always have to be there. And so I uninvite myself to meetings. So it kind of sets the precedent that if you're not in a meeting, it doesn't mean that you're any less valuable to this organization or to this team. It just means that we value your time and your productivity on the work that is most important for you to be doing above you being at every meeting we have as an organization. Sure. That's a great perspective, Courtney. I love that idea. Let's move to question three. How will we know when we're done with the meeting? This is an amazing question. I, it amazes me just being in meetings and it feels like, hey, usually the default answer again is a little bit of a lazy answer. It's simply, well, when does Google Calendar say our next meeting is, you know? <laughs> oh, are you guys good till such and such time? You know, or, and it's just a matter of, is the time filling up? And that's tough because there's no, you know, it's not results oriented, right? And so, just that answer, how you answer that question by default, really sets you up for success or failure when it comes to your meeting's productivity, I think. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I think another way that people know if a meeting is done or not is like, hey, do we all feel good about this meeting? And, you know, if we have meetings based on getting consensus, you know, that's not always the goal. You know, sometimes actually there's not consensus and you actually got where you needed to be in that meeting. And so using consensus as the measuring stick also very problematic. Right. There's really only one way to know that your meeting is done. You've accomplished your stated outcome, right? And, and in that answer, I've kind of put the hook there, right? Because you can't do that unless you've stated an outcome. You've had a clear agenda with a stated purpose, right? You mean it's not done when we all just can't stand it anymore? <laughs> well, it is for me, but for our listeners, for you and Verbs, yes. You need to have that stated purpose. You need to make sure it's specific, and also you need to make sure everyone knows it. 
right? I mean, you don't want to go in with your idea of the meeting if you're the one leading the meeting. You know, I've been on the other side of that where I'm like, what is the point of this meeting? We're 15 minutes in and I'm still searching. That doesn't mean there's not a stated purpose. It just wasn't actually plainly communicated. On the other hand, actually, since I've started working with our team, it's the first time I've come to meetings and people are like, cool, so here's the here's the brief here. And you can see this clearly stated outcome. Here's how we'll know when we're done, when we've hit this outcome. So make sure that you have that agenda stated, written out, that purpose written out. And guess what? Here's, here's the best part. If you reach the outcome early, you just gave everyone some free time, right? No one is going to mind ending the meeting, right? Yes. And also, if your time runs out on the other side, maybe your time runs out and it's like, we didn't hit that outcome. Well, then you have to determine, you know, when are we going to follow up here? Because we didn't hit that outcome. It's not good enough. You know, this prevents you from sort of having that floating results, you know, ambiguous, when is it going to happen type thing, uh, because you've stated that purpose ahead of time. You know, I will say, I think a lot of times we, we think, oh, we need a whole hour for this conversation. And usually we kind of feel, fill, we kind of fill the meeting up to that time uh, rather than, you know, just ending early and quitting. I think there's so many times where we could do that rather than just like continuing to meet because that's what we have scheduled. And so really being clear on how to know when you're done and, and call it, get out of there. You know, I think it, it's a really great model to set for the people you work with. Okay, we've got one more question to ask, and it's this. Who's going to follow up? Okay, so this is my, like, biggest pet peeve. So, like, you really want to do question one. This is, like, my question right here. Um, It is my biggest pet peeve when you just got done with the meeting and you're like, okay, I think that we've had that meeting, like, 12 times before and nothing has actually happened. And then you have the meeting again. And then you're like, didn't we just last month have a meeting talking about this very same thing? I don't want to have this meeting again. What do we need to do to be clear on what actions we need to take so we don't have to have this meeting again? It's so critical to figure out who needs to follow up. What are the action items so you don't get stuck in like a Groundhog's Day coronavirus quarantine model, you know, where every day feels the same and you don't know if it's Monday or Tuesday. You know, that's what's been missing from my coronavirus season. It's just an, I have not had a healthy dosage of Bill Murray in my life. Yeah. I feel like that would have greased the wheels of progress a little bit for me. Here's, here's a takeaway, guys. We should all watch Groundhog Day every single day. <laughs> <laughs> and what about Bob on the weekends? <laughs> so... Again, obviously a huge pet peeve of mine. I think it's really important when you have a meeting to designate who the facilitator is going to be and really equip this person to own figuring out what the action items are and stating them at the end of the meeting. We have some people that are masters of this. I'm looking at you, Alicia Curry. I mean, if we are in a meeting, she at the end of the meeting, before we get off, she's saying, hey, this is what we decided, and this is who is responsible, and this is the date that it's going to be delivered on. It is so clear when we leave a meeting who is doing what, and it makes my heart really happy. It should be noted that Alicia is 
usually almost always not the one leading those meetings that you're talking about. I think that's key. I think a lot of times if you're leading the meeting, you can feel a responsibility to, well, I'm setting the purpose, I'm setting the agenda, I'm leading the discussion, I'm helping us, you know, find breaks or decision points. And also I'm trying to keep all the details in my head rolling about the decisions we're coming to or the next steps or the dates, all those details. Those details are so critical, but your job as a leader is really to be uh, kind of the the moving force of strategy in the meeting usually you know it's like leading those discussions and making sure that people that you wanted to be involved are, are getting involved and that you're moving things forward if you try to carry that plus all the facilitation of this mm-hmm. follow-up right. that's you're asking for some balls to be dropped so uh, yeah think about okay when I'm setting a meeting if you're setting the meeting think about hey who should facilitate this. If you have an executive assistant, that's kind of an obvious one, right? But what about if you're the person who's not leading the meeting and you recognize that there is no facilitator? I think it would be appropriate, Courtney, you could fire back on this, but I think it'd probably be like, hey, I'm excited about this meeting, excited about what you have in store. Would it be helpful to you, leader, if I just kind of took notes down of action items and some dates and some decision points and just to make sure that we can follow up and really execute on the stuff you're leading us through today? Yeah, absolutely. And I, it is very, very difficult to be the meeting leader, like you said, and facilitator. For me, I've got to write down those action items. And so if you literally are leading the meeting, you've got to base, for me, I've got to basically stop, you know, and take time from the meeting to write like, okay, Blake is going to deliver a proposal on the full focus planner customized blah 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 by whatever date and so it's literally like kind of wasting everybody's time so it's really key that you kind of separate those roles and and figure out who can do those but man if you really want to make the meeting leader really happy ask to take the action items to be the facilitator um again that's a key way to be a meeting hero and win the t-shirt guys i think this is gold Golden information. It's a key distinction, too, because I think even myself coming into Michael Hyde and company, like I never really made the distinction between the one who's leading the meeting and an actual facilitator. I thought they were one and the same previously. And so I think that's actually going to help a lot of people out that are listening today is saying, hey, you can still be the leader, but then try to designate somebody that helps move you through the meeting and taking those those notes that's uh, going to be necessary afterwards. So the lesson today is that you can have a great meeting by asking these four questions first. Number one, do we need to meet? Number two, who needs to be there? Number three, how will we know when we're done? And number four, who will follow up? Now, as a reminder, you can find out a lot more about this subject in No Fail Meetings by Michael Hyatt. So check out nofailmeetings.com. Any more final thoughts for our focus on this team? Um, I would just say, I I know for many of you listening that you have subscribed to our theory of mega batching things together. Maybe in your ideal week, you have a lot of your meetings on a certain day or you've kind of got them grouped together. 
And for me, what I've found is you don't really have time to prep for those meetings the day of. You really need time backstage time. If you're, if you listened recently to our ideal week episode, you know what I'm talking about. You need that time to get ready for those meetings. And so what I do is on Friday afternoons, um, I work with my assistant to prepare for every meeting I have on the books for the next week. So we work on our agenda templates and actually you get those when you buy uh, no fail meetings. We use the same agenda templates in our company and they work great, but just taking that time to set up well. And it also allows me to say, you know what, actually we don't need this meeting because I can't come up with anything for this agenda. And so I can actually cancel the meeting the week before rather than like an hour before or the day before, which honestly, probably for most of the people that are going to be in the meeting is a lot, you know, it's more respectful of their time and their workload. So Anyways, if you have started mega batching your meetings, you may also consider mega batching your prep time for those meetings. That is some high level pro tip action right there, Courtney. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing the heat today and I appreciate you listening. Thanks for making us a part of your work week. We hope you have an amazing one and we will see you next week here on the Focus on This podcast. This is the most productive podcast on the internet. So please share it with your friends and remember the hashtag focus on this podcast. And we'll be here next week with another awesome episode. Until then, stay stay focused. focused. That's next level stuff. And that's what you get, really. I mean, they don't call it the most productive podcast on the internet just because our marketing team made it up. It's truly, (laughs) okay. Well, maybe it was a little bit of that, Um, but no. This episode of Focus on This is brought to you by the new Full Focus Pocket and Full Focus Notebooks. Learn more at fullfocusplanner.com slash pocket.